You're now listening to episode 115 of the Real Estate CPA Podcast. Your source for all things real estate, accounting, and tax. Here we reveal our secrets that can save you thousands in taxes, streamline your accounting process, and help grow your business. Stay tuned to hear insightful interviews with industry experts, successful real estate investors, and current clients on what strategies they use to grow their business and how they steer clear of Uncle Sam. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Brandon Hall and Tom Castelli joined here today with Sarah Ibrahim, financial consultant and life insurance agent who helps high net worth individuals, real estate investors, business owners, and retirees grow and protect their wealth predictably and safely by banking on yourself. In today's episode, we talk about the ins and outs of banking on yourself, also known as the infinite banking concept, including the investment and tax benefits, asset protection, the requirements, and who this strategy makes the most sense for. Sari, thanks so much for taking the time to come on the show today. Can you give our listeners a little information on your background? Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, so uh, my name is Sari. I'm a financial advisor and member of the Bank on Yourself organization, which is an organization that uses the Bank on Yourself concept, mainly, which is uh, the use of dividend-paying whole life insurance, mainly for the use of cash value benefits or the living benefits of the policy. And these benefits have been uh, used by real estate investors. So that's what I do kind of in basic terms. All right. So, you know, we've, we've heard, a, you know, we've heard a lot, a lot of our clients ask us about the infinite banking policy or banking on yourself. Um, but for everybody who's not familiar with that, uh, would you be able to just give us like, a, you know, a, I guess a, a deeper overview of what, what that is and what the benefits of it are? Yeah, definitely. So we are talking about whole life insurance. And for those of you who don't know, whole life insurance has two main functions or purposes. One is the death benefit, the life insurance part. And the second is the cash value part. The cash value part of the whole life insurance has a lot of additional benefits, the benefits that you can't find in other places like a checking account, savings, money market, brokerage accounts. Um, in, that, in a whole life policy, if structured the right way and from the right company, um, can give you guaranteed growth, uh, safe, predictable growth, regardless of market conditions, and also on a tax-favored basis. So these policies are seen as favorable by business owners and real estate investors because of the, the cash value or the living benefits in the policy. Again, there's two functions, the cash value part and the death benefit part. And for the purpose of this podcast and the purpose of Bank on Yourself, we're talking mainly about the cash value use of the whole life policy. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, and correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure, you know, the, the concept is you go ahead and you overfund uh, a whole life insurance uh, policy uh, to create a, essentially a cash buildup of that cash value of the portfolio, oh, it's in the portfolio um, <laughs> of the, uh, of the policy that you could then just, and then you can then loan yourself money to go and buy real estate, to go and buy whatever it is you want to buy with that exactly money. yeah so you're intentionally overfunding the policy to a certain maximum by the irs there are certain maximums based on your age your income the type of company which company it is there are maximums so you're funding it up to that maximum for the for the use of again borrowing that money and kind of recycling that money for whatever you want it, there are no restrictions on what you could use the money for and there are no underwriting guidelines for accessing the loans so you don't have to qualify for those loans you have instant liquidity and access to those funds via loan at any time for whatever reason you just fill out a form send it to the insurance company 
and then you can use that to fund your, for your real estate or business or anything you want pretty much. So talk to me then, my, my, my understanding is that it takes like 10 years to break even, you know, but because of the upfront costs involved, uh, whenever you, you engage in one of these things. So can you kind of talk, talk to us about maybe just provide a high level overview as to how it works, the costs involved and why, why it's even important to be able to bank on yourself at some later point. Yeah, definitely. So, so pretty much the, the first step to this process is the policy has to be from a mutual insurance company meaning that it's an insurance company that gives dividends back to the policy owners and not like a stock company that gives its dividends back to shareholders. So you want to make sure it's a mutual insurance company. And then number two, you want to make sure it is non-direct recognition, meaning that um, it's, if you, for example, have $100,000 in cash value in the policy, and then you wanted to borrow $50,000. When you do borrow the $50,000, you're not subtracting from the $100,000. You're borrowing from the insurance company against your cash value. And when you do that with a non-direct recognition company, your $100,000 cash value continues to grow and earn compound interest as if you never touched that money. And eventually the growth of the policy will out, outpace what you're paying in, in, in the loan. So that's really important that it's non-direct recognition. The third thing too is the policy has to be properly structured. Now, what I mean by that is a lot of the old fashioned whole life policies, you're right, would take like over 10 years sometimes to break even because a lot of the dollars going into the policy are going into the straight life insurance part of it, the death benefit part of it, which can be expensive in the beginning of the years. But the way the bank on yourself concept works and the infinite banking concept is a portion of the dollars that you spend to the policy goes, goes towards the death benefit and another portion goes towards the cash value or like the paid up additions rider the part of the policy that turbo charges the cash value. So, and it depends on the company and the age and where you're at, but pretty much just for an example, it would be like a 50, 50 split. So like half of every dollar you put towards the policy would go towards the death benefit and the other half would go towards the cash value. So eventually we've actually built policies where they can break even in like year, probably two and a half to year three because of the turbo charged cash value. So how is this different than like, what if I was really diligent about just saving all the money that I would otherwise be putting into this cash value plan and I just go get some term life insurance for, you know, a hundred bucks a month or something like that. Um, I mean, what, what are the real benefits of running this infinite banking strategy, this bank on yourself strategy versus me just doing something like that? A couple of things. So one, I might ask you, where are you storing the cash? If it's, and then I might ask how much interest are you earning on that cash that's being stored? So with the- Let's interest, assume for the purpose of this conversation, real estate and uh, I don't know, an eight to 10% cash on cash return. Okay, perfect. So one thing that's really good about the infinite banking concept the bank, or the bank on yourself concept, it's, it's not an either or product. It's not um, either I do real estate or I do the bank on yourself thing, or I do the stock market. It's kind of an integrated approach. So it's something that, and a lot of real estate investors, our clients are real estate investors and they, and they do this. And it's more so about you have your, your bank, you have your cash, you have your real estate. And this is kind of a way to put this in the middle of everything you're doing. So it's not necessarily meant to replace real estate. Real estate investing is very lucrative. And we would never recommend to replace it because you would obviously get a higher return in real estate than in the, in the bank on yourself policy or the whole life policy, but rather it's meant to recoup or regain your funds in the policy. Because here's a couple problems is one problem is if you have every single dollar you have, you own in real estate, you might have, 
you might come across an issue of liquidation. You might need to liquidate because of other expenses or other issues you might have. And that's kind of, it could be an issue for a lot of people to liquidate that money, to take that money out of real estate because of opportunity costs now you're missing. So the bank on yourself policy kind of, kind of addresses those two things where your money is sitting somewhere, earning interest, earning compound interest, and it's also liquid at the same time. So in those, in those emergency situations, you can access the money if needed, while also not interrupting the growth of your money. Hope that makes sense. So, so what you're saying essentially is that I can put like 100K into a cash balance and then I can, when I'm ready to buy the real estate, I draw 30K from the cash balance. I buy my real estate. I get a loan from the bank. Am I following this correctly? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, so, so I borrow 30K from myself and then I'm paying myself back. Then I'm also borrowing from the bank. So I guess, I guess what I'm not quite, I, I, it's, this, this is my problem whenever I talk about infinite banking or whenever people try to explain it, I just don't understand the, the opportunity cost, I guess, of doing it myself versus doing it with this cash balance plan. I mean, I think that I get how the money changes hands, but it, it's not clear to me the, the opportunity cost piece of me just like buying 10, 10 rentals uh, today or, or over the next 10 years with my own cash after tax payments that I've saved up versus taking all of that, what I would have paid, putting it into the cash value and then going and buying the same 10 rentals, but doing it through the cash balance. Can you kind of explain that? Yeah, definitely. And I'll give you an actual client example. So I had a client, he put, he bought a single premium whole life policy. So it's a one-time payment towards a whole life policy of $400,000. And then he instantly had cash value of $375,000 that he could use right away and a death benefit of $580,000 right away This from day one. And then let's just say in this example, he's a real estate investor. He borrows um, $100,000 from the uh, cash value, but he's not deducting from the cash value. He's borrowing against it from the insurance company. So he still has a $375,000 and the death benefit, of course, and they both compound and earn interest every year in dividends, uh, let's say 5% every year. Now he, for the $100,000 that he used, he used it for real estate, let's just say he bought one property with that cash, he bought it for $100,000, um, and he finances this over the course of five years, the $100,000. Now, after five years of paying it back, his policy would have grown and outpaced $100,000, meaning that he would get an arbitrage in his policy. The growth of his policy would outpace what he paid back to the loan. So if he skipped all of this and just used $100,000 in cash, he would no longer earn interest on that money. That's like the point of the infinite banking. Uh, I see, I see. So it's an, it's an interest rate arbitrage play. Exactly, yes. Okay, okay, okay. That makes sense. And I guess the, you know, the other thing that I, I think everybody always forgets to talk about is that you actually do get a death benefit. <laughs> so, so that's good too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, quick, quick, quick question. So I just, I know you mentioned he had $375,000 in cash value relatively quickly. Um, how much did he have to fund the policy to get that? Amount? Oh, single premium, one-time payment of $400,000. And so the fees were like 25,000 in this example. 
Yeah, in the first year, correct. Okay, so so he pays in four hundred. He's got cash value of three seventy five. He then takes a hundred k loan, and does he buy the property with the hundred k? And he doesn't get any sort of other additional financing. In this example, yeah, it's just a hundred thousand dollar for the property cash. He's like he's treated as a cash buyer in this in this instance. Okay, cool. And so then he's paying himself back principal and interest, or just interest. He's paying himself, yeah, principal and interest back to the insurance company at a simple okay. interest rate of five percent. Okay, so it's another way that he can move money into into a different asset, right? Because he's yes. the interest essentially. Uh, so he's moving it into the cash balance, and then on top of that, the cash balance is also earning from the mutual company. Exactly correct. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that he's earning com- he's earning compound interest, and he's paying simple interest. Got it. Got it. Mm-hmm. And so if he does that for 10 years, I mean, what are we talking about from a cash balance perspective? Yeah. Um, I actually forgot the actual full illustration, but he could definitely see, you know, the arbitrage in five years. He can um, actually, let me double check to see if I have it available. Um, actually, here's a better question. Here's a better question. Sorry. If I don't do that, Maybe, maybe the better question is like, if I, if I do the, the whole life and I've got, I've invested 400 K and I've, I start with the cash balance 375, what does that cash balance look like after 10 years versus if I just took the 400 K and invested that, what would it look like after 10 years in terms of, I guess, total equity? Okay. Um, that's a good question. Yeah. That's a good yeah. question. Um, what's the spread? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a really good question. Um, I, I can't analyze all those numbers right now. But I'll just say that, for example, let's just say in 10 years, you didn't do this. You went down you know, a different route and you needed to uh, liquidate. You needed to borrow money against your properties that you had, for example, if it was real estate. Um, what if we're in a situation where market values have been affected due to external factors that you know, nobody can control, but the market values have been affected? They might affect your ability to then borrow against those properties if you didn't need to liquid. Whereas with this, with the whole life policy side, it's not affected by any market conditions. The cash value and death benefit both increase every single year. So you kind of have an asset in the middle of everything you're doing that earns interest and earns dividends, no matter what's happening in the economy. Also the ability to access those funds at any time, because you might have, you know, really good credit, really good relationship with the bank, a lot of experience in real estate, but then things might happen like, with the stock market, with banks, the, the ability of banks to lend out money. And then that might affect your business then. And it has affected people's businesses in 2008. And, you know, we're approaching that right now, arguably with the coronavirus pandemic. So with this whole life policy in the middle of everything, you have an asset that's not connected or correlated to anything going on in the stock market or external factors that, you know, banks and Wall Street might control, but you can't control. That's why I think it's really important for real estate investors to at least have one asset like that. And again, not to replace anything, but just to have it kind of in the middle of everything you're doing. So that way it's not affected by those external factors. Okay. That's great. I appreciate that explanation. So talk to me about the tax advantages and maybe some asset protection too. Yeah, definitely. And just to be clear, I'm not a tax professional, but the growth of the policy does grow tax deferred, meaning you know, even if there are gains in the policy, the growth of it is tax deferred. And in a lot of situations, accessing that cash is using after-tax dollars, so it's tax-free. Not in every situation, but in most situations, it is tax-free money that you're taking out. So it's a really good way to kind of convert over from whichever tax bracket you're in, uh, in terms of funding the policy, to the 0% tax bracket. 
So this is also a very powerful retirement strategy. If you could, for example, you know, fund the policy at like $10,000 a year in retirement, you can then take out, you know, 30 to $40,000 a year in retirement tax-free, you know, based on compound interest. And of course at a 0% tax rate. So if taxes do go up 20 or 30 years from now, you've converted over to the 0% tax bracket, which is of course uh, a tax benefit in this situation. And then the asset protection side, um, in a lot of states, in most states, the cash value of a whole life insurance policy is protected from creditors and predators. It can be leveraged in a lawsuit because it's not a qualified investment. It's not like an IRA or 401k or, or a checking account or savings account. It's treated as whole life insurance with cash, with a cash benefit or cash value. So in a lot of situations, it is a powerful asset protection plan. And I would definitely check that with your attorney to verify that your cash value in a whole life policy is protected from creditors and predators. How does it, how does it uh, affect college financial aid? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, it doesn't, in terms, this is both with the college funding and the asset protection to combine together. It doesn't, if you're trying to qualify for like FAFSA, it, you're like, uh, it won't show up um, in, the, in that asset count, the cash value of a whole life insurance policy won't show up. So you could still qualify for like government help and still have your whole life policy. You could use it to borrow, to pay for tuition and to kind of become your own, you know, uh, in-source financing, your own in-house financing for student loans. Yeah. So there's a lot of benefits to the strategy and uh, it's talked about a lot and certainly sexy. Right. And uh, we, we have a lot of, we have a lot of, uh, you know, clients we work with or, you know, people we talk to, who, who, who mentioned this. And, and I guess you know, my, my main question is who should actually consider this strategy and how much do they need to commit either upfront uh, and or on an ongoing basis to make this actually, you know, you know, make the cash value actually worth yeah, good to, to be able to be. Yeah, it's a good question. I think this is really good for uh, somebody who wants to get into the habit of saving because you do need to have the discipline to kind of put money away every month and save. Um, I think that on a very minimal level, um, th- about $300 to $500 a month would start working for you. It would start building a couple of thousand dollars a year. And then of course, by probably, probably in this situation, probably by maybe year three, your cash value will start to break even. Um, so definitely this is for somebody who wants to think long-term and to be able to kind of grip their money and actually be able to hold it somewhere. But at the same time, it's good too, because you don't necessarily have to choose between do I save my money diligently or do I kind of invest it and spend it? You can kind of do both. If, if structured properly, you can kind of do both where you're funding the policy and then you could borrow right away and use that and then pay yourself back and kind of recycle your money. So this way you're doing both. You're saving your money and using it at the same time because of the loan provisions of the policy will allow you to do both. Um, I do think that also if you do borrow, you want to pay it back within reasonable time. You don't want to lapse on those loans because then you could lose the whole policy, lose a death benefit too. So it does take some responsibility, but it's kind of like a mindset shift. It's not necessarily like an over-the-counter product that one would just buy. It's, it's a mindset shift. You want to think more like a bank or think like a large corporation where you, want to, where you can retain your, your profits and retain your, uh, your money pretty much and earn compound interest on that while also using it. This is exactly what large banks do and, and large corporations do. They have whole life insurance policies. 
they earn interest on it. They loan that money out to other people via real estate loans, car, lo car loans, credit cards, and they earn interest from their customers and earn interest from the whole life policy. So it's kind of like they're double dipping in that sense. And I think that it's important for, even if you're not a large corporation or a large bring, it's important to think like that, to have the mindset like that, to eventually grow your empire in that direction. No, no, that, that's that's a good answer. It clears some 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 things up, you know. So we have, you know, some of the people we work with are, are beginning investors. They're just starting out, looking to, you know, kind of, for lack of a better word, hoard or save. I guess you could say as much cash as possible to go ahead and put down payments on real estate or make investments. And if you're a beginning real estate investor, you're just starting out, you know. I, I, we, would it be fair to say that this, this strategy, you know, if you have limited amounts of capital and you can't commit to both, right. Or, you know, would this strategy make sense for the beginning real estate investor, or is this more of an advanced strategy that someone who kind of already has, you know, kind of has a sizable income or cash savings that they could kind of do both. Cause it kind of sounds like it takes a while, yeah. right. For this thing really to pay off maybe two or three years, um, to the point where they can access that cash and go ahead and put it down, take that out and go put a down payment on the property. So I guess my question I'm asking is, is this more of an advanced or, or, or yeah, yeah, exactly. I understand your question. Yeah. So it's more for, for using the whole life policy for real estate purposes, that might be more of an advanced strategy because it takes a large, it takes larger premiums to get to larger cash value, to get to those down payments and the actual funding of the whole properties, which real estate investors do. So in that sense, it is an advanced strategy, but in the sense of building a habit of savings, like outside of real estate, I think this policy, this would be really good too, to kind of get started in general of savings in general of kind of building the habit or the mindset of an entrepreneur. I think this would be really good for any level or any stage. Got it. Got it. So, you know, when it comes to, you know, I guess what else have we not talked about yet today um, that, you know, that investors or, or people in general should just know about, you know, the infant banking concept and banking on yourself? Yeah, let's see. We covered taxes. We covered asset protection, liquidity, um, market volatility. It's not, it's not affected by the stock market or anything that happens in the markets. Um, let's see what else. Death benefits. Um, the, the integration, it's not an either or product. It's something that you can kind of integrate with everything. Um, should see if I missed anything else. Um, another good thing too, is our firm doesn't charge any consulting fees or service fees. It's all free uh, to work with us. We get paid directly from the insurance companies this way. Unlike other you know, investments, you have to pay like a recurring one to 2% fee every year of your uh, principal that you have invested. We don't charge that. We get paid one time from the insurance company. Uh, and a lot of it, a lot of advisors who deal with whole life insurance, it's in the, usually it's pretty much either they get a fee like one or two percent every year, or they get commission. In very rare instances, it's both. So that's kind of a good thing about this too is that the commission is in the first year, and there are no recurring one or two percent years for twenty to thirty years later. You know that can of course compound and be really big. What are some like things that? people that are interested in this should really watch out for. Cause I've seen some of these plans where they just lop off half of your capital contribution to the plan in the first year for fees and stuff like that. So I mean, what are, uh, if somebody that doesn't really know much about it or, or, or maybe what are some of the red flags that if you're getting into something like this, you should definitely pay attention to. Yes. Um, some advisors, um, would try to use this whole concept with universal life policies or variable universal life 
And I'm not bashing universal life. It has its benefits and pros and cons, but it will not work with the infinite banking concept or the bank on yourself concept. It has because of the uh, longevity of the, of the process. You, it has to be whole life insurance. And just to recap from the beginning, it has to be from a mutual insurance company. It won't work with a stock owned company. It has to have a non-direct recognition loan feature, meaning that when you borrow the money, you're not affected. Your dividends and interest are not affected when you borrow that money. That's the, probably the most important piece is that you, you need your cash value to compound and grow greater than what you are borrowing the policy at. If you don't have that feature, then you might as well just use cash for everything and just skip the whole, whole life policy route. Um, and if, if that's what you, if that's the most important piece. And of course, it has to be properly structured. It can't be 100% whole life insurance. There has to be a, a healthy allocation towards the paid up additions rider, the, the part of the policy that turbocharges the cash value. And another thing too, is when you do that, when you, when you add more towards the paid up additions and you lower the life insurance part of the policy, you're also decreasing the agent's commission, just to be clear. So a lot of agents don't necessarily like to pitch this, this process because there's a, a, a deduction in their commissions. Um, but of course, it's about what the client needs and what the client wants. And, you know, that's the most important part is what the client needs, what the client wants, and actually accomplishing their goals. By us doing all life insurance, all whole life insurance, and getting a much higher commission, that's not going to help really the, the, the client and won't really help us in the long run. So, so if, 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 if I'm considering this, right, I listen to a podcast like this, or I'm part of a peer group, and someone says it's worth considering, where can I go for some really solid information on this before I say pick up the phone? and call somebody and talk to, talk to someone like yourself about this. Definitely. So I think the first step would be read the book, um, Becoming Your Own Banker by Nelson Nash. Um, and then also read the book, Bank on Yourself Revolution by Pamela Yellen. Also, you can go to like infinitebanking.com or um, the bank on yourself revolution.com, or you can just Google bank on yourself or infinite banking. Make sure you read articles relevant to infinite banking or bank on yourself. Because if you Google just infinite banking or bank on yourself, you might get like a mutual fund ad or like something else that like kind of intercepted, uh, but make sure it's, it's actually infinite banking or bank on yourself. And there's a ton of content out there that will show you the, the pros and cons and show you, and you can kind of, and I think it's really important that you educate yourself and learn this as much as possible. There's videos on YouTube, there's podcasts, there's books, so you can kind of gauge which way you like to learn. And I, and I recommend you do that before you get on the phone with an advisor or before you get on the phone with us, because it is a mindset shift. It's not just something that we can pitch in like 15 minutes or 20 minutes over the phone. And then you'd be like, all right, I want to get that. It's a process, you know, you have to learn it. And then the second step is a financial analysis, which takes about 90 minutes to do, which is just us asking questions, getting to know you, getting to know your financial situation and what you want to accomplish. And then it's the proposal phase where we, present the proposal based on what we, what we collected in the financial analysis. And then it's the execution phase. So it's definitely a process. It's not just something, um, you know, that we can all be done in one phone call. So let's say, okay, so um, this, this will be the last question. But let's say, say I get down the path. I, I read the books. I listen to the podcast. I have a pretty good understanding of it. And now I'm making a decision saying, hey, look, I'm willing to commit to this long term. because This isn't a one and done thing. This is something that you have to commit to over a number of years. Um, how could I get in contact with someone like yourself to actually have a discussion about, about if this actually makes sense for me and what the next steps would be? 
Yeah, yeah. If you actually go to my website, finassetprotection.com, it's F-I-N assetprotection.com. I'll give you a free consultation. You can book an appointment with me directly there. And we can, you know, in probably a 15-minute phone call, determine if this is the route you want to take, if you want to go down that process or not, you know. But yeah, definitely all my consultations are free and you can reach out to me that, that way. Absolutely. And do you, just, just, just while we're here, do you, is this solely what you focus on or do you have, do you, do you, do you have other areas of expertise that you're also involved in? So I, this is all I do full time, whole life insurance for financial services purposes and the bank on yourself concept. This is my full time job. All right. Well, you know, we want to thank you for coming on the show today. Um, we'll drop your links down in the show notes below. Um, definitely eye-opening and you know, clear, cleared up some misconceptions about the policy I know for myself and hopefully some people listening out there um, just to know that, hey, look, this is a strategy that requires commitment, requires uh, – you have to take a long-term view. This isn't a short-term view uh, structure. So thank you again for coming on the show today. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please find us on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also email us at contact at therealestatecpa.com with any feedback or topic suggestions. We are always taking on new clients and with the new tax laws in play, you really don't want to navigate this alone. Let us help you save money on taxes and with your accounting and CFO needs. To become a client, navigate to our client page at therealestatecpa.com and fill out a web form with as much detail about your situation as possible. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week.